Welcome everyone to episode 345 of Fergo and the Freak. I almost forgot what number it was. I am your host, the Glorious League Freak, and today we have our good friend from One-Eyed Eel and Rugby League Monthly joining us, Elliot Richardson. How are you, Elliot? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Pretty good. Now, I said that we would get you back on a couple of weeks ago if the Eels got through because it was going to make it a really interesting second round of the finals for the Eels. And it just so happens that they're going to take on the Penrith Panthers, which makes this game absolutely amazing. And I think it basically is everything that we were talking about two weeks ago. There's so many different dynamics for this game. And I had to have you back on to talk about it. So first of all, let's talk about how they played in week one against the Knights, because it was interesting. I thought that the Knights played very well. I thought that they played above themselves and I was really worried about the Eels for a lot of the game, but they ended up getting the points. What did you think of that performance? Uh, nothing makes me more nervous than uh, the Eels with a 12-point lead in the second half, which is exactly <laughs> what they ended up at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Newcastle really gave us a good game. Um, I was nervous coming into the game, and uh, as my wife would attest to, very nervous throughout the game. Uh, to one point, I was basically pacing around the the family room during the last 10 minutes or so. Um, and my son was, was there and he was a little bit concerned about dad. <laughs> dad was talking a lot. Um, and then at one point he was telling me, he was like commentating for me. He's like, dad, they bump, they get up and they're okay. I'm like, yes, mate. He's like trying to tell me that they're getting tackled and they're getting back up. Um, but yeah, Newcastle were very tough. They, they um, obviously we started horrendously with that kick out in the fall and then conceding the first try. Um, the following 20 minutes, though, was probably the best I've seen Parramatta defend kind of outside those Melbourne games. It's the physicality of it was immense. You know, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Ray Stone, Junior Paulo, Murata Nukore, Nathan Brown, even Sean Lane, you know, the, the middle forwards and, and the edge forwards really got into them. Um, mm-hmm. it, I, I wrote, a, wrote a comment um, on One Ideal saying it reminded me of, of – now, I was a bit young to watch this, but I've seen plenty of the highlights. The 1998 final against the North Sydney Bears. Oh, I love that game. And, and Dean Pay goes berserk for about five minutes. And my dad's told me about this a million times. Yes. Like, he just goes nuts. And he just, he just he just throws himself at every single Bears forward. And they make about 25 metres in a set. And it's like the game's done then. Like the game's close, but mentally the Bears are shot. And at one point it looked like that we, we pinned them, I think a couple of times inside their own 30 and at one point inside their own 20 and, and Pierce was just like barely get kicking the ball the halfway. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was what I wanted to see out of the side. And um, I, I was nervous mainly because Joby Lustig wasn't there. And I figured, you know, we haven't shown great ability without, Joey or Reedy, even though we've barely been without them at all this year. Um, but without a recognised dummy half, I thought we were in a lot of trouble. But Ray Stone probably played his, his best game of his career, even considering he plays in the back row and plays at lock for us. An unnatural position for him at, at dummy half, but his service was was really good. It was probably NRL level for, for dummy half. Wasn't as We didn't get as much width, which actually I think helped us. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can be too sideways and we rely too much on that dummy half pass that zings about 15 metres to Mitch at first receiver. 
Um, but I felt we adapted and Stoney played nice and short. And then he allowed Nathan Brown and Junior Paulo to play that middle role, that middle distribution role, which in turn got Mitchell Moses a little bit wider attacking that third or fourth defender in where his speed is so effective. And we saw that with, with his try. He took on the, I think it's the fourth defender in just beating for pace. Um, yeah. and, and that was again, Mitch is at his best when he runs and he runs early. Like you yep. see Mitch run early and you're like, Mitch is on today, right? He's mm-hmm. he's good to go. And then his kicking game just builds off that. And it looks like he has more time. When Mitch has time, teams are in trouble. Yeah. And and like that, I was really worried with raced uh, stone at uh, hooker as well, because, uh, you know, I feel as though you've really missed something around that, the hooker role for the last probably half of the season. And but he did. He played really well. And look, that this Eels team is best when it's playing north south, and and they're not worried about going east west all the time. And they get stuck in that mode of, you know, they want to spread it out wide, and they haven't earned the right yet. Mm. And when they do that, they're pretty easy to shut down. And that's where you see their, you know, their defence. And I, I think that a lot of NRL sides work that out. You try and shut them down early up front, and they'll just start going side to side, and and you've got them then. Um, but yeah, when I saw, uh, Mitch Moses take on the line, it was like, Ooh, cause that's what you need to win in this final series. If he isn't running the ball, nothing else matters for the Eels, but if he is doing that and he's running the ball, then they become a really big problem because then everything comes off the back of his, his dangerous running game. You know, everyone's worried about him running the ball and they've got to deal with Dylan Brown and players like that after that. But, uh, it, I found it was a really interesting game because, you know, they they were great in the middle of the field, but Newcastle was finding a few ways through them, especially out wide. And, you know, I, I think that there were times when there was definitely that that sense of panic in the side, like, oh, man, this could go really bad really quickly, especially when you kick the ball off on the full. Yeah. Like, <laughs> doesn't add, doesn't help. Oh, uh, I think that, the, the conditions did have saying that it was quite yeah. hot out there and both sides looked look shot at, at several points during that game. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the middle kind of disintegrated a little bit the longer the game went. Um, mm-hmm. Then obviously the edges start to look more frayed. Um, you know, they, they, they picked at Parramatta's right edge, which pretty much every side does. Uh, it's our poorest defensive edge. And I'd, I'd really like Blake Ferguson to stop his imitation of Eric Growth Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of times at their first, not their first try that, that, that was Mitch defending on the wing and he's not a winger. But one of their tries, and Fergo's like three or four metres infield from his winger, and he had no reason to be. I get Pong as a good player, but Fergo was in no man's land. He yeah. was halfway between the centre and the winger, and he's like, well, you're not shutting anyone down there, and mm-hmm. you didn't read the pass well enough to pick it off. So, um, yeah, I, I thought Newcastle kind of made the, the best of their their opportunities. Um, but obviously... Uh, I, I really think that, that middle period in the game where Parramatta turned the screws kind of took... Newcastle's energy out of them, even though they, they staged that comeback, it was kind of like they fought so hard to get back into the game and they never really got in there. It was 22-20. They never got ahead. Mm-hmm. So Newcastle such, uh, they remind me of Parramatta from a few years ago. They're such a, a team that relies on confidence that if, even if they're behind by two, they're worried. And it looked like that kind of like you'd expect Mitchell Pierce to be a little more, um, a little better with the kicking game, but there were so many, bombs down to Clint Gutherson. He was safe under the high balls. So he was having catching practice at, at some yeah. points. Um, 
But I also think Parramatta just took the guts out of out of Newcastle's um, start to their sets. They really targeted the back five, um, and that then you know impacted Newcastle's ability to get up the field. Um, the the other interesting thing from the game was a lot of people were concerned with Ryan Madison being left out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't too surprised. I've kind of learned not to get too worried about the team selection, to be quite honest with you, because I can't change that. Um, and there's no point in getting angry about a player getting left out. But I really liked having Murata uh, start the game. Mm. He, in all honesty, if, if Isaiah Papali'i wasn't in the team, Murata would be up there for the Ken Thornett medal um, this season, and, and he's likely get, he might he might be up there for players player or, or um, coaches player. Um, but he's played center, he's played back row, he's played prop, he's come off the bench, played at lock. Um, He's played everywhere for us, and we've actually looked. So I looked at the stats uh, coming into the game. We'd, he'd played 11 games for us this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd won 10 of them, and wow. I think he he's such a direct and hard runner of the ball on the edge that he demands attention from two defenders every time. Yeah, which gives space to his outside guys, and the guy outside is Will Pe- Will Penasini now, and not Wonga Blake, and Will Penasini. I mean, I'm not. I'm going to do my best not to compare him, but I kind of like to see some similarities between players. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have compared him to Michael Jennings. He's, he's got a very similar Jennings build, right? He's low to the ground. He's got big legs. He's strong. Um, but I actually see a little bit of Jamie Lyon in him, in the footwork that he put on Inari Tawala. He had that in and away, the swerve, and then the big fend. And mm-hmm. Lyon, until he dumped us and went to England, then to Manly, was my favorite player growing up. And then it was not only that, but it was in the flick pass. Jennings didn't really pass the ball. No, no <laughs> he was even, a finisher. Even at the end of his kind of time with us, he mm. did pass to, I mean, when you got Maker Sivo outside you or, or Sammy Radradra, but his his first instinct was always to take the player on. Uh, whereas I see Penasini is all about how can I beat my guy but set up my outside man. Yeah. And he did that to Newcastle. And he was so dangerous that they – Later in the game, they numbered up on him and left Blake Ferguson 15 minutes, 15 meters of space on the outside. Yeah. Right. Because he's a, you know, again, Penison is a powerful runner of the ball. He's very hard to stop one on one. And Newcastle just, they bunched up in field and they picked the wrong guy. Um, and so I really like that combination of Nicore on the inside of Penasini or, or on the inside, I think, of, of Moses, I think, defense on the right edge. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, you um, know, it's, it's interesting you bring up. Uh, Michael Jennings, because I think that he was a really underrated loss. And look, it, it, like oh, I rated his loss. <laughs> yeah, well, he he, I mean, he was done for for using performance enhancing drugs, so there's no way around it. But like he gave he gave you so much in attack, and it was weird because we were all watching it and saying, "Man, he looked like his career was finished. What's going on?" And remember, his hair turned grey really quickly. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah strange but now we know why i guess but um it like when you lost him there was it was just one more attacking weapon that was out of the side and i think that the the team overall improved but just that loss of having him in the side it it really hurt the attack in some way that by the end of like last season the attack just was pretty pedestrian 
And I, I, I just think that that's one of those underrated losses. You know, sometimes you look at a team and you say, oh, where did things go a little bit wrong for them? Because, like, there's a lot of very good teams that haven't won premierships. And I just Tell think that, it. yeah, oh, I know. What am I, <laughs> I'm sorry for saying that to a Parramatta fan. I, sh- I should be more responsible. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, I think that that was an underrated one. So it's good that you now have you know, a young bloke that's come into the side and just gives you a little bit of something there and attack out wide because it is something you've missed. And yep. look, Wonga Blake, he's a great player three or four times a year, but the rest of the time you're just waiting for him to be a great player and it can be really frustrating. I think the second half of this year has been Wonga's probably most consistent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He has taken on a lot of grunt work through the middle. He's, he's, that, that he takes a big charge on, on tackle two or three, gets in the dummy half when we need him to. Um, I, I'd like him to stop stepping infield. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of – he just adds some punch, and, and that's what we are missing when Jenko left or mm-hmm. was suspended and now deregistered. But it was that punch – that he bring on on tackle two or three to help our get our sets get rolling and you see that now with Wonga Blake and Will Penasini they seem to have got a good one two punch going one goes the other goes and then you know Will just adds that that bit of extra um, finesse and a bit of extra power on the edge as well mm-hmm. um, and you know it's that you know it's a little bit of a, of a cherry on top in in terms of you know Tom Upacheck's not a bad player he played very well for us um, for a good chunk of the season but. Uh, he he doesn't create a lot, Tom. Yeah. Um. Whereas whereas Will, you, you've seen it already. He creates space. He he puts the defense in two minds. Uh. He's a threat when he when he's got the ball. And in defense, he's been very physical. And then you know he shut down Bradman Best and and a couple of weeks ago he shut down Justin Holm and just I mean I know Best hasn't been best <laughs> this year. <laughs> um. But you know Justin Holm is one of the the premier centers in the game. And yeah. And he was virtually a non-factor against us. Uh due to, to Will Panasini's physicality and defence. Um, it's it's so exciting when you've got a young bloke who you see them come in, they, they get a few games and you're like, I wonder, you know, I don't know about this young bloke. And then just something clicks and it's like, ooh, we might have something here. That's always, that's one of my favourite things about rugby league is when you see a young bloke, they go from being just named in the footy team to taking hold of their career and, yeah. s- and just showing you what they can do. It's 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 now it's now Will's spot to lose basically. Yeah. Um, and he's got that. It's confidence, but it's not arrogance. He's confident in his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows he's got to keep doing the work though, and that's what that's kind of the sweet spot you like to see a young player in. Like mm-hmm. he knows he knows he's it's his position now, and he's still got the confidence to keep showing showing it's his position, right? You see some players, they kind of get into the team, they get settled, they take the foot off the gas a little bit, or they panic a little bit thinking they've got to try and hold on to their spot and they try a little too hard. Whereas at the moment, um, without putting too much pressure on him, um, he seems to have kind of found his his like, uh, his like spot in the side and he's, he's settled there. Um, and I mentioned him earlier with Isaiah Papali'i. A lot of people wanted him starting on, on the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely disagree with that. Um, we, you know, we might see Brad playing some ducks and drakes this week, and, and taking Sean Lane out of the starting side and putting Papa in on the left edge. But he came to us as our our bench middle forward. That was the role we wanted him to play. And I think, you know, when Junior comes off and Reg comes off, we need that type of player to come on and keep the intensity going 
particularly yeah. with, with carrying the ball forward. Um, you've got guys who get in there and do the defensive work, and, and Papa Lee does that. But he's he's he, he topped our meters on the weekend. Off the bench. Yeah, it, it didn't hurt him. It he didn't ran, hurt his impact. No, he ran for 194 meters, and 71 of those are post-contact. And, and meters aren't everything. But you can't ask any more from your bench forward to do that. You know, Junior and Reg laid that really good platform. I mean, Regan Campbell-Gillard was outstanding. It was his best he's game out, he's I out think for three I've weeks. seen him play. Yeah, he's out for three weeks. Uh, he played some amazing ones last year. I think one 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 game he played, he played 80 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but defensively, that was his best game. And he was imposing. And I remember Gus Gould two years ago saying, no one in Parramatta's pack scared him. And mm-hmm. I think Regan Campbell-Gillard scares players. Like, they don't want to run at him. He, well, when he, he, plays, he came up and sat down Tyson Frizzell, and, and very few players sit down oh, Tyson Frizzell. Put him on his ass. It was such a good hit. That's the thing about Regan Campbell-Gillard. And he used to play for Penrith, and like it, he was one of those players that, you know, he, it, we just his career would sort of cruise along. And you'd, but then you'd see games like he played on the weekend, and you're like, if he did that all the time, he'd be considered one of the top front rowers in the game. But he just there's too many times where he goes on cruise control, and you know if look if the Parramatta Eels play like that where they just are going to blast the opposition, they they're going to be really really hard for anybody to beat. It doesn't matter who they're playing against, and that's what makes this weekend's game really interesting. Now, yeah. did you watch the Panthers uh, match at no, all? I watched against the I watch all the footy, <laughs> all the Next. footy. Give me all the footy. I'm happy to watch all the footy. Oh, I see. I see you're a fellow addict. <laughs> yes, I'm an addict. I need help. Uh, as my wife, occasionally I get, why are you watching this game? It's like, well, it's football. It's on. I'm watching it. Got to watch something. <laughs> but um, but just before we get on to that, yes, this week's game and this yes. kind of feeds into it. I think Brad Arthur resting pretty much the first grade side for mm-hmm. round 25 is very much justified now when you see how they played physically against Newcastle. Yeah, you I can't think argue. They needed they needed the physical, but I think they also needed the mental break. It is very hard because don't forget their last eight weeks of the season were ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They played, I think they played the Roosters. They played Manly. They played Canberra who were desperate for a final spot. They played Melbourne. They were going to have to play Penrith. Um, and then you had like the Cowboys who put up a fight against us. And, and I think the Titans are in there as well, who, who I think switched off at one point. Um, in the second half, but they had a very tough run into the finals. And I think it was almost like a mentally, okay, you take this week off, you reset, and then you've got finals to so switch on for that. And then when you saw them playing against Newcastle, because, you know, some teams take that week off and they're a bit not all there. And apart yep. from the kickoff, they seem physically like, okay, let's go. It's finals time. We're ready to go. And, um, you know, I think had, had they tried to do that playing the week before, I don't know if they would have been able to get up for it again, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, and look, we talked about it in that, our last podcast we did together, and I was really critical about I thought it was a bad idea. But at the end of the day, they come out, they played really good. As you say, they looked physically in it, and they got the win. You can't argue against well, it if they get the win. Well, Brad was, during the season, particularly during our slump or just before it, he said – that he was looking for us to peak at the right time of the season mm-hmm. that he'd learnt uh, the past couple of years. He's kind of tried to keep the same 17 like throughout the season. Right. And in the NRL, you can't really do that. It's yeah. such a physical game. Players need to rest. And he's done it throughout the year. Like 
Um, I know Junior Paulo's had limited minutes some games. Regan Campbell-Gillard's had limited minutes. He's taken, um, you know, players off and out of the side when he's had to. Um, and he's really limited the impact of some guys to make sure that they're fresh for the back end of the season. And, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Regan's injury wasn't, a pl- wasn't, wasn't part of that plan, but he was so physically fresh to do what he did on the weekend. He only played 40 minutes, but they were 40 very impactful minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Again, like, like I said to you, you can't accuse Brad of not trying. You know, he's he's rested his entire side to try and get them up for the finals. And I mean, Bennett did that, Bellamy did that. You got the two to the two most successful coaches in the 21st century, basically, or the or the past 30 years doing that. Mm-hmm. I I thought he'd done the right thing, and then when I saw them play on the weekend, you know, they could have been a lot more polished, and they did some really dumb things like that that charge down from Will Smith. I wanted to throw the remote through the TV because it was the dumbest <laughs> thing he could have done then. I love Will and I've always wanted him in the side. And again, he showed why he's, he's got a lot of value. He comes on, plays dummy half, plays that roving lock can fill in the back line. If there's an injury, but I went, mate, you don't need to charge the ball down. Just put him under some pressure. Yeah. We're going to have a short field. You know, we're going to have another chance to have a crack at their line. Instead, they got the ball back. They got a six again. They scored off the back of that. They were back in the game. It's just, like in the finals, you got to get that stuff right. Yeah, it, and it's such a fine line. Like, you know, it's charge charge downs are really weird because when they work, it can just end a game almost. You know, it's so just devastating to you going for kicking for field position. All of a sudden, they're scoring behind you. Yeah. But if you get that ball back, it's like thank God six I, again. I, I you know, I feel like if you're behind the charge down is more on because you're trying to turn the game. Or mm-hmm. if you're trying to prevent a field goal, of course, go and charge it down. But if you're ahead and you've got control of the game, there is no need for you to come up and charge the ball down. You're, mm-hmm. you're not under any pressure. Right. Um, and I think that's where some of our guys have got to think a little bit more. I mean, get it. You know, your adrenaline's going, you, your job's to pressure the kicker and you're going to get to him. You know, you're going to get to him. But in saying that you've got to kind of know deep down that, Charging the ball down, it doesn't necessarily help your team because you don't know where the ball's going to go. Mm. Yeah, you could it could pop up for a try or it could happen what happened to Parramatta and the other team recovers and they get six again on the halfway line after you've done all that defensive work to yeah. pin them in their own half. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting one. It's uh, it, it I love them parts of the game, though, where there's no answer. It's just yeah. – it's more like like – philosophical differences between you know players and coaches and fans and stuff and it's like uh you know wayne bennett when like over the last say 15 years anytime you get a penalty near the sticks you take the two it doesn't matter what's going on Mm. and it's just those philosophical differences where it's hard to know there's no black and white to it it's just a feeling that certain people have about like i don't have any problems with a player going after a charge down. The problem, the only problem you have these days is it's risky in terms of it's very easy to get a penalty because you didn't um, attack the kicking player properly. Like, yeah, if you make any contact with the kicker when you're doing that, you're asking for a penalty. Yeah, and with, you know, everyone's moving quickly and stuff like that, it's so easy to, you know, just get in the wrong position. And even if you clip a player and it looks like you're, you know, you're you're just trying to attack their legs. It's it's just difficult. But anyway, so the the Panthers against the South Sydney Rabbitohs, 
I think it's the worst I've seen the Panthers play all season. I didn't think South played that well to beat them, but they still got the win, so it doesn't matter. Um, what were your thoughts watching the Panthers, knowing that you were going to have to play the winner of or the loser of that game? Um, I was kind of happy South's won because South bundled us out last year in the, mm-hmm. the second week of the finals, and they, they, they've towed us up twice this season too. Mm-hmm. Um, admittedly, Latron Mitchell was in their side this season. Um, for those two games. Um, I, funnily enough, I actually went, hey, I've seen this Penrith before. They played last week um, because Penrith looked very similar to that in the first half against Parramatta's reserve grade side. Yeah. Um, they seemed unsettled by the physicality of, of the Parramatta side in round 25. Mm-hmm. Um, they were down their own end. I think at one point Parramatta had four repeat sets. Um, and I think, you know, if it's an an actual NRL side, there's probably a couple of tries there on offer because Penrith really weren't getting off their line well enough to to close things down, um, yeah. and they weren't putting a lot of pressure on Will Smith, who was pretty much running that side. Even though that the one try Parramatta did score came off Jacob Arthur, um, but you know they're playing a reserve grade side, and after 55 minutes they ran out of gas. Um, I think it wouldn't surprise me if Bennett looked at that game and kind of went, you know. Um, you know, he, he would have had his plan probably written down already, but he's gone, well, that, that reinforces what we're going to do. And we're going to play Penrith down the middle. We're going to go hard at um, James Fisher Harris. Now, a lot of people talked about Nathan Cleary not being in the game or, and then trying too much at the end. And and I don't think, I mean, the, the halfback is always the one to cop the blame when a yep. side loses. Same with Mitch, you know, uh, um, uh, and, and it kind of Cody Walker cops at the South. It's, they don't really put the blame on Adam Reynolds. They'll put the blame on Cody Walker. But in that game, James Fisher-Harris, I think, was limited to 79 metres. He's your starting prop. He's your forwards leader. And mm-hmm. they went after him. Like, they went, well, if we keep him busy um, and, and he doesn't make many metres, they don't have their go forward. And, you know, a lot of teams have the forward they like to play off. Um, you know, I mean, look at the Cowboys. They, they pretty much play everything off Tamalolo. Yeah. Right? If he has a good charge... They're good to go. Um, Souths on, on Friday. Oh, sorry. I think it was Saturday. Or was it Friday? Like Saturday. 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 Um, they would played a lot of Tom Burgess, even though he came off the bench. And Mark Nichols does that job for them as well. Um, they also, Souths also went after Toll. They were, yeah, they did. They, they, the they were smashing him. So he ran for 196 metres, yeah. which sounds great. But his average is 247. Yeah. It was the fewest post-contact metres he's made all year the second fewest tackle breaks, and it was only the third time he was held under 200 metres this season. So South's new, because in any in many respects, it's very much like a Sammy Radradra effect. For us, um, when Sammy was there 2017, we make top four. He goes the following year. We lose all the momentum out of the backfield, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have a way to start our sets or keep our sets going, right? There was no big blockbuster run, yeah. There was no one to take that carry that goes 10, 15 metres, Skittles defenders, um, and gives a way for us to play in the ruck. Because, you know, you take out Fisher-Harris, you take out To'o, you take away Api Korosau's ability to run the ball, right, which is one of his big strengths. You know, Mm -hmm. he likes getting out of dummy half, he likes searching for the the markers, he likes attracting the A defender to try and stick one of your big guys in, or use Isa Yo to try and arrow in behind the ruck. And Yo is very good at that, right? He he did it against South. He kind of cut them up a couple of times through the middle. Yeah, um, yeah. I think South's, they, they knew finals football in that game. 
um, I was I was watching um, Maddie Johns and Cooper Cronk talking about it, and it's like they went into that match going, it's probably going to be messy, it's going to be physical, and we're going to win those battles. Mm-hmm. And they never took their foot off the gas when it came to being physical, and it oh. really it really seemed to unsettle Penrith. And in, yeah. in, in finals finals football, all that matters is winning. Yeah, and there, there's because the Panthers are so young, and, and there is a you know, there is a feeling of inevitability about them in a certain way. And like, and I don't say that arrogantly, actually I do, but no, <laughs> um, that because they're so young, you know, that, and they've, they're all signed basically for a few years, you know, that they're going to have a number of goes at it together. But I think what the weekend probably taught them is that none of that matters. Like, unless you get the job done, no one cares about potential. No one cares about your future. And I, I think that it was a good lesson. Like, that's one of the things about this Panthers team. As a Panthers fan, I kind of like seeing them learn their lessons. And, I look, I think that the, the week before against the Parramatta Eels team that had so many players out, like, there were lessons to be learned there as well that, like, you know, this is half a team you're basically playing. But if you don't turn up, they're still going to be able to put points on you. And yeah. that's that's one of the things that I think, oh, well, I hope that they got out of this South game because, as I said, I don't think South played that well, but they did what they they needed to to get the win. And Penrith, I mean, I, I, I just think that I really worry about their attack at the moment because, and a lot of it I think is, I'm not so worried much worried about their forwards because they've got, a, a, you know, 100,000 forwards they roll out there. It's kind of ridiculous. But... When Api Corusau is very, very quiet, and then you don't know what you're getting out of kick-out from game to game, like sometimes he's a world beater, other times he looks like he's never played football before. And then, you know, Dylan Edwards, he wasn't in the team last week, but, you know, he can be hot and cold. And, you know, then all of a sudden you're just looking for Cleary to do something, and he's carrying a shoulder injury. And, you know, he can't beat teams on it. Now, you know, there's very few halfbacks in history can beat a team on their own. It's really only Andrew Johns or, or Jonathan Thurston sometimes. But, um, you know, I think that it's all a, a lesson for this Panthers team. And I don't know how I feel about where they're at at the moment because going into the finals, I felt like it was maybe all lining up for them pretty well. They were getting their players back and things like that. And now I kind of worry that they're a little bit rattled. And because they're a young team, it's you don't know how they're going to react to that. Are they going to go into their shell or are they going to go after it? And I think that's what's so great about this game is that you've got a Parramatta side who's been there or thereabouts for so many years. And, you know, they're, they're only a few more wins away from being in the grand final. You've got yeah. this Panthers team who... If you talk to them a month ago, they were probably all saying, yeah, we're looking at the Storm for the grand final. Now they're looking at the Storm in the semi-final best-case scenario, and they're coming up against a Parramatta team who half their side went pretty well against them a couple of weeks ago. And so there's so many different things working, you know, against each other, and it's really interesting. So coming into this podcast, I said we'd both talk about why our teams would win and why they would not win. Let's both do our why our teams will not win first. 
So do you want to go first or do you want me to? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go first, right? Okay, so, okay. So I think if you know, Prana doesn't win, it's because they, they play too sideways too early, right? Mm-hmm. They, they've done that a fair few times this season. Um, and it, I don't know what it is, but it gets into their head that they've got to try and win the game or someone's got to try and win the game for them. Yeah. Um, and I think it's they they feel like they can't beat Penrith down the middle. And, um, yeah, so I think if, if Parramatta lose, it's it's because they go sideways too early. I don't think there's any, like, one particular player who is necessarily going to blow up for us. Um, I mean, I might swear at Sean Lane a couple of times during the <laughs> game, um, but that, that seems par for the course for every Parramatta fan. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be um, – you know, one particular player or one particular scenario, I think it would be, you know, a, a gradual kind of implosion over 80 minutes, <laughs> I think is is what happens when, when we lose. Uh, it, it, the other thing is that I'm worried about is if we have any sort of start like we did against Newcastle. Um, you know, if, if we botch the kickoff, whether we're receiving or kicking off, um, and if we concede an early try, sometimes we can we can go into our shell um, and knowing this Pen- Penrith side, you know, they're not going to be like Newcastle where they're like a little bit surprised they're in the lead. They're yeah. very comfortable front runners. Um, yeah. So I think if, if we, if we lose, it's, it's probably off, off a really poor start and then things just devolve from there. So I, I think if, if Penrith lose, it will be that the Eels got a little bit of a start, not even a big one, just a little bit of a start, good start. And that, our, our attack just we don't really get much from Coruscant. You know, if they shot, shut Coruscant down, I think that will be a, a huge, huge thing for the Eels. And just maybe getting to the point like almost like last week where they almost got to the 60th minute and they're like, hang on, this is not really going our way like we thought. And just not being able to pull it out of the fire. I also think like you could get someone like a junior Paulo who he had something different to a lot of forwards in the game where he can do the stock standard forward sort of play. And it's one of the reasons I love him. You know, he can just get you go forward and be good in defense, but he's also got that ability to, to put on a bit of footwork and get a nice pass away and things like that. And so he's, it's someone like him has the ability to make the game go wrong for an opposition and I wonder how Penrith would react if things start going wrong for them, because we've really only seen that happen to them a few times. And like last year's grand final, they start the grand final and basically give away 10 points through penalties. Things go wrong for them and they don't react very well until about the 70th minute where they started to pull themselves back together. Um, I wonder how that would happen for such a young side. And you know, they, their attack has looked very clunky over the last number of weeks. I've kind of thought that they just needed game time together again. But now we're starting to get to a point where I think that if if they don't click in this game in attack, it's more than just needing game time together. So that's the thing that worries me is that they'll basically be bogged down in their attack. And, you know, Parramatta have do have strike players who can make things go wrong for you. And I worry about Penrith's ability to deal with when things go wrong in the big games. Yeah. I mean, um, the, the thing I was thinking about 
with Penrith, and this probably feeds into why I think if Parramatta wins, mm-hmm. it's actually their experience at this stage of the season. Right. Mm-hmm. They played sudden death football in 2017, 2019, 2020, um, and they've been they've been knocked out each each time. Um, some with 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 really poor games like like Melbourne did to us in um, uh, in 2019 and the Cowboys in in 2017, and others like last year we actually led and then it's like we dropped our bundle. Yeah, a little bit inexperienced and weren't quite with it, and we had a lot of backline changes and and none of it. So, so Fergo was out, who's our most experienced finals player. Um, Jenko obviously suspended the day of the game, debutant on the wing. Um, this time, the only bloke I think who's making his, his, his finals debut in week two, I think is, uh, is Will Penasini. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got a, a premiership winner on the bench in Ryan Madison. And you've got a, a premiership winner in, um, in Fergo in the back line. So you've got a lot of that experience. And I, I almost think it's, Paramount is getting to a stage where it's like, if not now, when in terms of taking, getting to the third week of the semis mm-hmm. there, um, they know what this football's about. And the thing that's given me a lot of confidence is that we've beaten Melbourne twice this year. Yeah. And I think if you were to bottle those two performances and unleash them this week, it'd be very hard for Penrith to beat them because in those two games, they beat Melbourne. They beat Melbourne at their own game. Yeah. The funny thing is, I heard Matty John saying he thinks Paramount is a daytime team and they're playing nighttime, so Penrith might be an advantage. I'm like, mate, we beat Melbourne in the torrential rain <laughs> round two. Then we beat them after they'd won 19 games in a row at yep. night. We yep. are a nighttime team. Like, we played the vast majority of our games at night because we're always on TV. I think we play like four games a year in the in the sunshine. And yeah, that helps ball movement. But I feel like we're at this stage of the season now where it shouldn't matter what time you play. Yeah, yeah. You're in the finals. If we play in Melbourne, we're going to play them at four o'clock in the afternoon in the preliminary final because they had moved the, the start time. Mm-hmm. Right. This week, we've got to play at whatever it is, eight o'clock at night on the Saturday. That's not going to matter. But I really think if Parramatta just looks at what they did to beat Melbourne and help that 20-minute period against Newcastle, go, that's the blueprint, and go into the game playing like that, I think that's that's where they win the game. And I was looking at the team, and I actually went, they've done something very similar to what Souths did last week in terms of the team they're rolling out. Mm-hmm. So they're rolling out the two big boys to start with, which is Reg and, and Junior. But if you look at South's bench, they had Benji Marshall on there, they had Jacob Host, they had Jai Arrow, and they had Tom Burgess. Benji's a utility, and, and Will Smith plays that utility role. Mm-hmm. Right? you got Isaiah Papaliti, who's your, your, your bona fide middle dominant forward, which is what Tom Burgess does for, for South. But then you had Arrow and, and Host, who kind of come on and play their roles. And Arrow kind of plays in the middle, but he can also play on edge. And Parramatta's rolling with Bryce Cartwright and Ryan Madison. Mm-hmm. And I actually see, whilst Will Smith will do his job at, at hooker when he comes on, and, and Papaliti will do his job in the middle, Cartwright and Madison have something different to them. They're not just hard runners of the ball, even though Cartwright, surprisingly, this season has, like, ran the ball hard. You know, he's looked for that contact. He's looked to push through defenders. But they have the ability to ball play before the line, ball play in the line. Both of them have a, have a nice little short kicking game. They have that ability to come on, and if the game's tight, to open it up, right, and and make it difficult for Penrith's defensive structure. So Penrith's the best defensive team in the competition. But even the best defensive team in the competition – they hate defending offloads. They yeah. hate defending second second phase 
plate and they don't like getting compressed. And mm-hmm. Parramatta did that to Melbourne. They forced the Melbourne middles to compress continuously. And in that, that Melbourne game a few weeks ago, all four of Parramatta's tries were scored on the edge, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. So what they did is they compressed Melbourne's middle and then they basically had, you know, either Melbourne short on a side or it was one-on-one matchups and forced the defenders to make a decision, which generally doesn't go well for the defender. Once the defender has to make a decision from multiple options, they generally choose the wrong one because the playmaker is dictating to them. Um, so I think if Parramatta does win this weekend, they'll play that very direct, very aggressive. They'll go after Toto. They'll go after James Fisher-Harris. You know, they'll tr- they'll literally try and belt Penrith into submission. And it's also what kind of why I like the fact Ray Stone's in at hooker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see a bit of Brandon Smith in him in terms of uh, Smith's more of a natural hooker than, 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 than Ray is. Yeah. But that, that tenacity in defense, that physicality, and just this willingness to work yourself to you physically can't work anymore. And, and I, I remember seeing him a couple of years ago and, and going, this is a terrible um, comparison to make for him. But there's also a little bit of that Ray Price in him in terms of he will get in there and he will do that really hard stuff. And he's got no feels about it. He's going to look at a guy that's a lot bigger than him and go, I'm going to cut you in half. And he does that. And he picked up and dumped Clemmer a couple of times. He picked up the Saifidi brothers and drove them backwards. Um, and he, he played in that, that, that round 25 game against Penrith as well. Yeah. And he was immense. He played, he made 55 tackles that game and he took on that Penrith pack almost single-handedly. And Makatoa was good alongside him, but it was Ray Stone leading the line and absolutely whacking blokes. And he just, he's been like that ever since I've seen him play since the twenties. It's flies out of line, hits anything that moves. Um, and I think he can actually be a big part of those opening ex- opening exchanges in that, like I said earlier, as most teams don't like, they don't like it when a team's physical from the get-go. They don't like that team that looks to actively belt you, not just hit you hard, but like physically pick you up, drive you backwards and make that statement early. So I think if Parramatta win, they'll do that early on and then everything else will come off the back of that. Yeah, I would agree. And, and like, I've always felt like whenever you're playing against a team who their defensive system is very consistent, that's the way you beat them, is is you just rattle them. You make the game go wrong for them. Um, and, you like, I mean, I, I think that's the way that... Remember there was a little bit of a time where the Storm had real problems with the New Zealand Warriors, because the Warriors would have little offloads and things like that. And they were just doing, they weren't doing what the Storm wanted them to do. And like another time that we, I, I think we saw it was weirdly the 2003 season with the Roosters and the Panthers had the wood on the Roosters because the Roosters had come out and try and absolutely belt every team off the park. And the Panthers had just, fucking run at them just as hard. They didn't care. It was really yeah. strange. You had, and you had just... Morley and, and what was a Nullivau and Pulatuas. And you had, yep. that was Joel Clinton. Was he, yep. he was leading yep. the line with, with Martin Lang. And and Ross, Ben Ross off ben the Ross. bench. Like, yep. and, and it was just, and it's funny because it was this weird little moment for the Panthers. A year and a half later, it was kind of all over for that team. But, um, you know, when you've got teams that are really good, defensively and they've got their systems and stuff, you you start making things go wrong for that team and they can fall apart really quickly. It's kind of interesting. Um and, and I think that that's the the two weaknesses for the for the Storm and the Panthers. 
And one of the few teams that have shown that they can do that to a team is Parramatta, where they've done it against the Storm, you know. Um, there was only a point as well between the two kind of full-strength sides earlier in the season. I know Marnie was out and Cleary was out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a missed penalty goal mm. in that game. You know, that was the the difference. I think a lot of people have overlooked that, particularly looking at the betting odds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the betting odds are unbelievable. Yeah. Like, if you're if you're into betting, put all your money on Parramatta, even if you're a Panthers fan, because this is a this honest to God. Like two weeks ago, I would have said, man, if we end up playing the, the Parramatta Eels in the finals, I'm pretty confident. Now I'm like, this is 50-50. This is a flat-out 50-50. Yeah, I'm 100% on that. Um, yeah. I also think round 25 could play into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, you know, they rotated the same team. But there's got to be some confidence in that Parramatta side that they matched it with the second-place side for 55 minutes mm-hmm. with a bunch of blokes who hadn't – most of them hadn't played for eight weeks. Yeah. You know, and, and the guys that had had limited minutes. And then they went and – one point i think it was six all right and if uh, you'd assume some of that confidence goes through the side going well you know if they can do it well we've got to be a lot better at that mm-hmm. than, than our than our you know our, our second string is you know the the, uh, the thing about the panthers that i think can be a difference and not, look i don't think it's going to happen weirdly enough but i think the panthers if they can because they have been like not at their best, and it's been a number of weeks now, maybe even a number of months, if you go back to when they had, didn't have Cleary for a while. If it just clicks for them, they're going to be bloody hard for anybody to beat because their defence yeah. is so good. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're maybe the only team in the competition that when they're on defensively, it, it doesn't matter who's playing. They'll just strangle you to death. And we've seen them do that to so many teams that aren't as good as Barramatta, but they can just shut you down and there's nothing you can do. It's it's kind of crazy how good their defense is. Um, if it clicks for them in any game against anyone, it, it's going to be really hard for them to beat. And I guess that's the worry as a Parramatta fan that you're watching this Panthers team who looks beatable at the moment, but then when the game starts, it's like, oh man, it clicked for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm a bit worried that you know, Toto will have a really big breakout game to bounce back mm-hmm. from next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's probably the major danger I see because, as I said earlier, so much comes off the back of him. If he's really on, he runs for 300 meters. Good luck, yeah, um, stopping stopping Penrith. Um, you know, I think it's also going to be a good battle between Mitch and, and Nathan. Both yeah. played Origin this year, mm-hmm. um, and and unfortunately, Mitch had to carry a broken back and and Jack White in the side. Yeah, um, which is worse. <laughs> which is worse, exactly, right? Jack White and booting the ball dead four times um, or your broken spine. Um, but, you know, between them, they've got two of the most effective kicking games in the competition, you know. So you've got Mitch, Nathan, and obviously Adam Reynolds. And Adam Reynolds is, against Penrith, that's probably what really killed Penrith, right, mm-hmm. is is just the accuracy of Adam Reynolds and his, his ability to to just dictate terms to teams. But both Mitch and Nathan have massive boots and so much of their team relies on their kicking game. Um, I thought it was a bit odd from, from Cleary to be constantly bombing to, to Blake Tafe. I think that's how you say his name. Rab's had about six attempts at it. So <laughs> I've got no confidence in my ability to say it, but um, he, yeah, he dropped the first one, but he, he caught the next dozen. Yeah. At what point do you go? Mm, maybe not him. Maybe not 
kick to the fullback on the full with no pressure on him and let him return the ball. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that, that for me was, was one of the major surprises that Cleary's kicking game never seemed to, to really look on. And despite all of the discussion in the media from Bennett and, and Ivan Cleary about pressure on the kickers and blockers and all that crap, um, I don't think it played that much in the game itself. Like, no, no. I don't think we had too many issues with the blockers, and I don't think we had too many issues apart from that one crappy penalty on Keon Kalomatangi, who literally could not have arrived any better. Oh, oh that was ridiculous, that penalty. I think if you freeze frame it, the ball might have still been on Cleary's boot. Yeah, <laughs> I could not believe. Like, I, I thought that that game just generally was really poorly officiated. Oh, yeah. Um, but that was the worst of the penalties in that game. Like, sometimes you you worry. Like, I think that we've got people running the game that are so worried about the game at times, and that feeds through to the referees because obviously these people are the referees' bosses, and I think that that's part of it because. You know, he were there was not a penalty there, not even no, clubs. No, that, that that very much to me looked like a the discussion in the week got to the referees there because there mm. was nothing late, there was nothing dangerous about that tackle. He wrapped his arms, he took him to the ground. You just go, that's a fair hit. You know, yeah. nothing dangerous occurred there. Um, but I also think Ivan Cleary is really just going to stay away from Wayne Bennett. <laughs> you don't take you don't take on the master of modern games and think you're going to win. Yeah, look, I, I haven't followed any of it in the media this week at all, like not a shred of it. And I've only seen it pop up from, you know, people retweeting the, the articles every so often into my timeline. Um, so I know that there's been a little bit of back and forth, but like I I, I don't know why. I don't know why the, the coaches do it. And this is why they don't like talking to the media, because anything they say, Gets blown up into something huge. <laughs> Bennett does it deliberately. He knows what he's doing. Like he went yeah. up and he did that to take the pressure off South because mm-hmm. the, otherwise all the talk would have been about the missing Latrell Mitchell. And there basically wasn't a single article last week about Latrell. It was all about Penrith used blockers. South mm-hmm. hit Cleary, right? That's all it was. And you just got Bennett's probably just sitting there going, "What? Well, that had the exact effect I hoped it would. It distracted the media from you know an actual problem we've got in that." We had a bloke who's the halfback playing fullback for us and at the same time distracted the opposition coach. For, so he was answering media questions about, oh, do you think they hit Nathan Lade? What about your blockers? And et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think, you know, he's done it for forever. You know, Jack Gibson did it. Um, you know, Phil Gould did it. Uh, Bob Whoop, are you there? Are you there, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Sorry, it just cut out for a second. I heard you say Bob Fulton did it. Yeah, Bob Fulton um, and Trent Robinson does it, right? And, yeah. and two weeks ago, he was going to light the bunker on fire. Uh, <laughs> and this week, when Verrill's rearranges someone's face, he's got nothing to say about it. Right? Yeah. So it's all about <laughs> it's all about a little bit of that pressure you can put on the referees. I, I'm surprised. Uh, I mean, Brad Arthur's never done it. I thought what? he might okay. have. Okay, here's here's a question for you, and we'll both do this. What what is your toss up to the media this week about the Panthers? Uh, in what what respect? Yeah, like it, a, a media like what Bennett does, where he tosses something up and he lets the media talk about it, and it takes all the pressure off his team. Oh, so I felt some Brad Arthur shoes, and I wanted to play Wayne Bennett games. Uh, yes. 
I'd probably go. I'd probably just do the same thing. I'd, I'd go at his blockers. Really? Um, you know, it worked. <laughs> you know, it worked, and you just me knowing the media, you know that they would just crank that back out again. The, the next thing would be like Brad Arthur engages in in master coach mind games. That would be the headline in the <laughs> Telegraph the next day. Mine, mine would be, um, mine. I would probably target Gartho. Uh, it'd be something along the lines of, um, I don't think his teammates like him. <laughs> and that's it. Just walk away. Just based on nothing. <laughs> Give me a sec. Can you can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I might have just had like one of those little blips because I've got a, a document saying trying to connect. Okay, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I can, so, I can so, edit it out. It's okay. Yeah. So what I was saying is I probably wouldn't go go after Mitch with something like that um, yep. because he seems to be the type of player that would would gladly get sledged and then mm-hmm. show you how good he is. Um, mm-hmm. He seems to be the type of player who who can do that and he's he's kind of done that a bit this year. A lot of people said he didn't have didn't show up in big games. Yeah, flat track bully. You know didn't didn't do too much. You know against good sides and and he you know he kicked Melbourne to death. Um, he, he he guided us around last week and it was basically the difference. I mean, goal kicking and and his general play kicking plus the try he scored you know, on us really really got us in the position to win that game. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely go after Gutherson. He seems like the type of guy you'd um, you'd have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just feel like um, especially when you look back at it, because I think that somebody said to Gutherson about a month and a half ago, dude. You can't yell at your teammates. You're gonna you're gonna piss everyone off because I think he's been more chilled the last few weeks. Mm. Yeah, that was the the, the offside penalty against I think Tom Opacek or something. Mm. Um, I kind of get it. You know, Clint's a very very competitive guy, um, but yeah, I think I think he has he might have eased up a little bit. And I mean, part of it also might be because we're winning, right? When you're winning, the frustration doesn't come into it. One hundred percent. We've won our past three games with our full side on the field, Cowboys, Melbourne, and, and Newcastle. Um, I mean, it's not like you could blow up on anyone in the Newcastle game. He's the one who kicked the ball out of the full. Yeah. <laughs> You've kind of lost all rights then to sledge anyone. Oh, shit. Look, Andrew Johns blew up at his teammates more than anyone. Doesn't matter yeah. when you're the best player. Thurston did it as well. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so score prediction. What what do you think will be the score line? Is it going to be a high-scoring game? Is it going to be a low-scoring game? What do you reckon? A lot of people have said they, they're expecting points. I, I'm not. I think both these sides are going to try and base their game on defense and winning mm-hmm. that battle first. It's not going to be a shootout, I don't reckon. I, I reckon you know, I hate tipping Parramatta <laughs> because they've broken my heart so many times. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm going to tip them 18-14. It, 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 and it's going to come down to the last 10 minutes. Um you know, it's it's not going to be one of those. They get out to that 18. Oh dear God! If they get out to an 18-6 lead, I'm I'm dead. Just yeah. 12 points. Nah. <laughs> Look, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's going to be a defensive. The the thing that's going to win its defence, and I I don't think we're going to see anybody score on 30 points unless something goes dramatically wrong. Mm. Um, you know, I I think it's going to be less than a try between them by the end. Obviously, I think Pen- Penrith's going to win. Um, 
but I could see it being like, I don't know, 16 points to 12 or something like that. Like, I think it's going to be a real grind of a game. Um, and, and it's, oh, I, I just can't wait. It's one of those games. I really do. I feel like this is the first of the finals games where I'm like, I think this is completely 50, 50. I've got no idea who's going to win. The winner gets to take on the storm, which is wonderful. <laughs> but, at the same time, I think that um, the winner of the grand final is going to come from this side of the draw. So, yeah. and if you look, you've got to beat Melbourne eventually. Why not do it in the semi final? So, um, man, it's going to be such a cool oh. contest. And it's cool that it's the two Western Sydney powerhouses going head to head. I don't, I don't know. Like, do you ever get into the thing of people saying, oh, that's the, they hate each other's guts? Like, I've, so, I've no. never got that. I had that discussion earlier in this week, actually, because um, people are like, oh, it's the Battle of the West. I'm like, eh. I, growing up in a Parramatta household, and, and yeah. Pa was following the Eels from the 50s, yeah. Penrith was never a big game for us. The no. big games were Manly, the Bulldogs, and St. George. Yeah. Right. And 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 parts of the days died, hardly ever called them St. George or Lawara. That was St. George. Yeah. Right. And his... His thing was, you know, Manly, you had the 70s. They beat us in our first grand final. They they knocked us in, out in the semis in 75 the year before. Then we beat them in 82 and 83. So you had a rivalry there. The mm-hmm. same thing with the Bulldogs. You had Parramatta won four premierships, and the Bulldogs won four premierships in the 80s. And they were the two premier sides. And then you had the Super League War, and we got their, pretty much their four best players from mm-hmm. them. And that sparked it again. Right? And then you get to 2009, we play each other in the preliminary final. So you've got those big games in there. And St. George, while well, it's the, the 77 grand finals, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the drawn grand final, and then the replay, and then we go and, and, and recruit Steve Edge from mm-hmm. you know one of their former captains, a premiership winner, multiple premiership winner, and he captains us to three, three uh, premierships and four grand finals. So you had, that, you, you had that rivalry with each other. And for Penrith and Parramatta, it's it's all it's based around locality and the fact that Panthers came around 20 years after Parramatta did, mm-hmm. and that's all it's really based on. Yeah, yeah. If I asked you to, to tell me a legendary match between the two, you probably couldn't. No, no. There's there's no like that. This is probably one of the biggest games between yeah. the two teams. I, I um, think it's the first. I think it's only the second time they're playing each other in the finals. Yeah. And for me, a great game was. A game in 2010 when we came back from 20 nil down, but that mm-hmm. was mid-season, right? Mm. There wasn't a lot on there. There wasn't no. a, a huge amount of pressure on it. No. All those other teams that we've played, there has been something on the line for us, yeah. and, and we've either won or lost. But the rivalry's been born there, and for me, for me, I, I've never really held any animosity towards Penrith. Yeah. All the animosity for me seems to come from Penrith, like Michael Jennings saying he hated Parramatta and Regan Campbell-Gillard saying it was drilled into us in the, the lower grades. For, and then you've got Phil Gould who talks about it, and I'm kind of like, it seems very manufactured, and for a cross-sport yeah. reference, it seems very much like Everton like trying to punch up at Liverpool a little bit. Yeah. Like these days, it's kind of like, it's still a rivalry, and Liverpool's like, yeah, we're going to beat you, and yeah. then we're going to go win trophies, and you're going to sit there and be ignored, which is kind of what that Merseyside derby had, had turned into in the last 20 years. There's not quite that stage in the Parramatta Penrith because they're both two very good sides. Yeah. But that's what it's felt like. It's like felt like one time's tried to create the rivalry, but there's been nothing to spark it. 
I mean, this this could spark it. Right? This comes down and it ends up in Golden Point. You've got a legendary game between these two clubs, and then you can probably say there's a rivalry there. Um, in many respects, I think we've got a bigger rivalry with Melbourne. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, enough, look, I would agree. I, I, like I, I know I've been a Panthers supporter my entire life, and like there's never been anything against Parramatta. In fact, I've been really happy to see because our teams. The other thing is our teams have never been good at the same time no, for the most part. That's, and people, People don't realise, like, for the first, like, couple of decades of their existences, Parramatta and Penrith were abysmal. So, like, it wasn't like there was anything that was built on them, like, trying to get anywhere. They were just both abysmal. And then Parramatta was good, and then Penrith was good for a bit, and then Parramatta was good for a bit, and then Penrith was good for a bit. Like, it's never lined up. This is as close as it's probably been ever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You've got legendary players that played against each other, you know, mm-hmm. going back, you know, is it Greg Alexander and, and Peter Sterling and the like, but, you know, it was, Parramatta was a dominant side when, when, when Brandy was around. Yeah. You know? So he got rep jerseys, but it wasn't like, you know, today where, where, where Cleary is the dominant half and the guy that's na- snapping at his heels for the New South Wales jerseys is Mitchell Moses. Yeah. You know, as, as we saw when, when Cleary was injured, Mitchell was the one that was selected. Um, but yeah, I agree. This is kind of the first time we've had two where both sides are really good sides and they're getting to play in a high stakes game against each other. Um, and, and like I said, oh, the rivalry I feel with, with Melbourne is because of that 2009 grand final, again, a very consequential game. And then the follow-up of the salary cap sheeting. Yeah. And I, I remember that game. I unfortunately wasn't there because it was raining that day and dad kind of went, oh, I don't know if I want to go watch Melbourne play. It's <laughs> bucketing out there. We're going to sit in the rain. We could get beaten. And then we turned up and it was like, you had two all in brawls. You had Fooey Fooey coming off the back fence, just trying to skittle Melbourne players. And it was, it was, you could hear it through the TV. There was like 10,000 fans there and it felt like the entire stadium was there. Yeah. Um, and then, unfortunately, Melbourne beat us in 2006, 2007, 2009, 2017, 2019, 2020, right? They've beaten us in seven consecutive final series. So I really <laughs> – that's one of the reasons I really want to beat Penrith. Yeah. Is not because I dislike Penrith. I yeah. actually respect what they've done over the past few years. It's so we can get Melbourne in another high-stakes game and finally get one over them. Yeah. Because it's, it's killing me. Look, I, I'm, I'm the same. Like – if somebody said, uh, that's why I, I actually would love the idea of playing them in the semi, Melbourne in the semi final, because I don't care when we play them. I just want to beat them, you know, because I think whoever, if 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 it's Parramatta, Penrith or Melbourne, go through from that semi, I think they win the grand final. Um, but, but yeah, because I, I always have this thing of, and I've been able to, like if you beat a team the last time out in the grand final, you own their soul. So the the Raiders beat the Panthers in their first grand final, but the Panthers got that one back on them. And then we, you know, we owned the the uh, Rooster Soul from two thousand and three. We've got to get it back on the Storm, you know. And it's not going to be right until that's sorted out. But why it have to be the Storm of all teams? I mean, bloody hell, couldn't it have been somebody that chokes or something? Why yeah. couldn't it have been the bloody dragons or someone <laughs> i feel i feel more confident if i was to be playing the store in the preliminary final than if i was to play them in the grand final i so do i you know, it's so funny it's kind of like that. it's kind of like melbourne's they feel more vulnerable in a in a preliminary final 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, I mean, they've played more final series than grand finals, obviously. So they lose in finals games. Mm. But um, it'd just be the the ability to go, we went one further than you. Mm-hmm. Like, to beat them and go to the grand final, I'd be devastated if we beat them and then lost the grand final. But at the same time, they're like, well, we beat Melbourne. Mm. <laughs> you know, we beat Melbourne in a knockout match. And for once, it wasn't Melbourne beating us in the big game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it could all very much end by by the end of Saturday night, um, and then all this this discussion is is pointless. <laughs> yeah, one, one of us is going to be really upset on Sunday morning, and we'll find yeah. out who it is. It's uh, wouldn't it be funny though if it ended up being some like disgraceful final? <laughs> where, oh. Like players are center off, and it's like, remember when Mitchell Moses got his jaw broken and they broke yeah. Nathan Cleary's arm, and just like, <laughs> just the it's stuff. just like they accidentally oh. transported the seventies to twenty twenty one. Yeah, <laughs> and you've you've got like Ray Stone pulling like a shiv out of his sock, going after someone. <laughs> uh, why did Pinacini all of a sudden is throwing bloody elbows and shit? What the fuck? <laughs> it would be so weird. <laughs> <laughs> why why was Kickout throwing another player into one other player? Yeah. Bloody Kickout picked up Royal Rumble. Spear tackled him. What the fuck? <laughs> and it's just Royal Rumble, and you've got Ashley Klein like cowering in the corner going, Stop it, guys. Stop it. I'm going to blow the whistle really hard. Oh, shit. It, it all just ends up in a forfeit because you get too many players sent off from both sides. I, I'm slightly worried about Ashley Klein refereeing in a big stakes game because. <sighs> He had the South Roosters game when when Mitchell knocked out Manu and he lost complete control of that. And I'm like, this is a this is a knockout elimination match. Klein couldn't keep control of a regular season game. If this thing heats up and it, it could, you know, you've got Regan Campbell Gillard who's not gonna take a backward step, mm-hmm. and James Fisher Harris isn't either. If they get into each other and Klein doesn't assert his authority, it could very quickly devolve into a you know, I mean, I don't. We don't really have brawls these days, but a lot of you know shirt grabbing and and um and and, Na- and nasty words, <laughs> nasty words, and and yeah. and Jerome Luai yelling at someone. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. I look, I'm I'm not big on blaming referees for things because I I I'm big on like if the if you feel like the referee's bad, you've got to overcome bad referee to win yeah. a game. It's just part of it. Um, but I I. I'm willing to say I think Ashley Klein's the worst of the NRL referees and by a comfortable margin. Like, yeah. um, There's a running joke between my dad and I. We say he's he's refereeing in a different universe to the game everyone's watching. It's like <laughs> he'll pick stuff up no one's noticed yeah. and then miss really obvious stuff. And then with, with, with the Roosters Souths game, and it's like all you had to do was send him off and that yeah. was done. Right? Yeah. There would have been no more crap. There wouldn't have been anything else happen. You didn't send him off. You blame the bunker for not sending him off, and then you lost control of the game. Yeah, and uh, that—that's kind of my more fear is—is is the referee could actually ruin what is promising to be a very good game. Um, and yeah, I—I—I I, I, rate Klein at, at the bottom of the ladder as well. Um, and Matt Checkin is retiring because they won't give him big games, and Ashley Klein's still getting them. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's uh. Oh well, let's just hope that we get a game where there's they don't pull a crack down out of their backsides and they don't try and make a statement with the the officialdom and stuff, and we just see a bloody good game of football because it's everything has lined up. And it's funny because we talked about it two weeks ago where everything was kind of lining up really cool for this game, and mm. and it's going to be 
it's going to be amazing. I, I just can't wait. And, you know, if, if you're a Panthers fan and a Parramatta fan and you're not excited for this game, I don't know what's wrong with you because, you know, biggest biggest game in the history of these two clubs. I'm going to say it yeah. right now. Oh, 100%. You know, 100% the biggest game between these two clubs. And like I said, we might end up with a rivalry out of this, like a proper you know, rivalry rather than just because they're the two teams in the West, you know, it's because it's the, the two of the best teams in the competition and they're going at it. You know, that's, that's where rivalries start. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, give us a reason to hate each other. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> give us a little bit of controversy, a little, just little bit, just something so that they can, we can argue with each other for the next 12 months. I mean, Gutho tried with his hairstyle, but then he cut his hair. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Junior Paulo was uh, the uh, the offending party in that. I think he was playing barber. And, um, oh, really? And he got rid of it? Because Junior's got one, right? I, I'm not sure if he's still got it. He might have cut his off, but he had one for a while, that rat's tail with the circle of hair at the back of his head. Not yeah. that anyone's going to tell Junior Paulo he looks stupid. No. Um, but everyone can tell Clint. Clint. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but they've been uh, the Eels boys have been uh, printing T-shirts for each other each week for the captain's run. Yes, right? I've seen it, yeah. So someone printed up uh, Clint Gutherson's haircut one week, a couple of weeks ago, and stuck that on the shirt for the boys to, to run around in. Oh, shit. Uh, they were great. That was so good. Yeah, you could see they were so disappointed having to wear it, too. It was so funny. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like, just warning you, you're going to become a regular on here because it's always really good to. fun to talk to you. Um, tell us where we can find you online. And tell us how we can subscribe to Rugby League Monthly. Okay, so first of all, you can go to oneideal.com. Um, that's all the Eels gear that you need. Um, that's that's free. It's a, um, a supporter site. So you do need to, to sign up with the free account to, to post and comment. Um, it's free to read stuff. Uh, but if you want to go to Rugby League Monthly, so you get rugbyleaguemonthly.com and forward slash subscriptions, uh, you can sign up there. I've got a free month at the moment. So if you sign up, your first month is free. Um, nice and easy. Uh, so I've got a mixture of, of free and and um, uh, paid content. So generally the longer pieces with the interviews or the um, feature articles cost, but the shorter stuff and the opinion stuff is free. And there's some quizzes there as well. So if you want to test your NRL knowledge, you can. So you can go to rugbyleaguemonthly.com forward slash subscriptions. Uh, you sign up there and your first month is free. And after that, it's $5 redos a month. Um, so if you do do that, uh, Thank you very much. Um, it keeps the the site running. Basically, I'm basically covering my costs at the moment, so um, that's awesome. But yeah, if you're an Eels fan, and you're not a one-eyed Eel, uh, jump on it, and uh, they'll be they'll be going at Hammer and Tom on the weekend. Yeah, go there. It's uh, I, I I still can't remember if I'd signed up for it. I think it was maybe because I saw I remember years and years ago I signed up for a bunch of different supporter club forums. And uh, I can't remember if I signed up for the one idea one or not, but I just love how long it's been going. It's just uh, it's so cool to be able to talk to somebody that's involved in, in one of the old school rugby league websites. Um, yeah. And rugby league monthly, you were telling me some of the stuff you're working on. I won't give it away, but it's unbelievable stuff you're working on. I mean, the, the, the concussion series is pretty, I'm out, I'm out in the open with that. Um, that's been going for the past two months. There's a mm-hmm. third month. Um, coming out in October with the, the monthly edition there. Um, and there's possibly going to be a fourth part to that. Um, I'm tossing up if, uh, if I need to write a fourth edition or if um, the, the third part of the concussion series will, will, will finish there. Um, but yes, yeah, so every month there's, there's stuff coming out and I kind of, 
it's a bit of my interest, a bit of what's going on in rugby league as well. So you try to keep it a bit um, a, a bit current. Um, but the most recent ones, the September issue was out two weeks ago. Um, if you wanted to, to know about what players do when they retire, there's a chat there with uh, Ryan Morgan, the, the former Eels and, and Storm Centre. Um, he also did a, a five minutes with, so he gave me a bit of a rundown of like the pests in his side and, and the guys that um, that were funny in the dressing room and, and why Fui was the worst teammate in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also had a good chat with Christian Welch to the, the Storm forward. Um, you've probably seen him on Twitter. Very intelligent guy. I love talking to him. <laughs> it was a great half an hour or so I had with him. Um, you know, he's very insightful in terms of where his career has come from, but also on the state of the game at the moment. Um, and and he's uh, he, we'll have some more of his opinions on concussion actually next month. He's, he's got some very, very good comments on that. So I kind of can't wait to, to put that out in a couple of weeks' time. Brilliant. And support independent rugby league journalism because – it's the best. It's the best rugby league content we have, and it's not even close. It's um, we'll always support independent rugby league content creators because they're now the the very best there are in business. It's fantastic. Yep, excellent. Thanks so much, mate. Thank you, uh, Elliot, for coming on, and uh, thank you for everyone for listening. Good luck to Panthers and Eels fans. It's going to be a great game, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Can I just get yeah. in? Uh, go the Eels. This is the number one podcast for Eel supporters. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.